Hello and welcome to another episode of Embodiment. This podcast is a place for those in the pursuit of creating a life that is the true medicine by essence, where how we choose to commune with ourselves, community, nature, and spirit reflects our state of health and well-being. The goal of this podcast is to give the power of healing back to you and empower you to create meaningful change in your life so that living healthfully and vibrantly is your natural state. We'll explore topics from Eastern and Western medicine, spirituality, quantum physics, to personal growth, food, food systems, and so much more. Some shows will be me sharing my experiences, while others will be interviews from experts, thought leaders, teachers, and more. And before we get into today's episode, please, wherever you listen to the podcast, one way you can support the podcast is by leaving a five-star review and a written review. It's so helpful. And be sure to like and subscribe to never miss an episode. You can also find me on my website at kaylaringdacm.com or on my Instagram at Ring. Now let's dive in. Welcome to an episode of Embodiment. Uh, My name is Kayla, and today I have with me one of my dearest friends and a mentor of mine, Justice Nakarado, who is a natural health practitioner, uh, and we actually met during school uh, several years ago. So uh, first of all, Justice, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. And I'm so excited to to chat, and just as a preface... um, uh, we've had some, and by we, I mean me, had some malfunctions <laughs> with my uh, microphone, so we figured it out, uh, but we were definitely chatting for like over an hour before and really wish that we had gotten some of that conversation on um, on the podcast, but that's okay. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch. Probably circle back to yeah, a lot of it. It'll yeah. come back up. So uh, anyways... Uh, I'm grateful for for you being on the on the podcast today, but I would love to hear and to share with everybody um, listening how you got into practicing medicine. Um, yeah, so if you could start out with the that juicy yeah. story that I know that it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, well, kind of like I think a lot of people where you're like. Oh, I would never do that. And then the universe goes, oh, but you are. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually got really sick in my early 20s. I grew up with naturopathic parents. And so I really, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really have much of a a concept of why your parents are doing the things they're doing. And so Mm -hmm. I grew up pretty healthy and then uh, moved out of the house and all the things and started getting really sick and couldn't figure it out. And at the time, my husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, was the cook. And he's very Italian, so everything was pasta and casseroles. And I'm Southern, so I can appreciate a good casserole. But it was very rapidly killing me. And I joke now that he tried to kill me. And of course, (laughs) isn't isn't true. But it's fun to to make fun of him. Yeah. Um, So uh, 
I I was 22 and I started first started having issues with my menstrual cycles and at first they went away completely and then came back with a vengeance and I bled for three years and almost died and because I hemorrhaged a couple times and I went through all the Western medical route and did all the things they told me to do and here, take this pill and oh, here, we'll do this surgery. And it just kept getting worse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I was 27 and I think we were three months away from my wedding and my doctor finally said, well, I think we just need to schedule you for a hysterectomy. And I kind of walked out to the scheduling desk in a daze and scheduled the appointment and got in my car and started sobbing and called Brian and was like, uh, uh, there has to be a better way. Like, I don't understand why this is my only option. And so I went home and I just started researching things and ran across an article on MSN of all places that had <laughs> That is random. Yeah. I know, right? Like, I was <laughs> like, okay, this is strange, but whatever. Um, they were linking early menopause to gluten intolerance. And Mm. thinking back, my dad was a phenomenal cook and cooked pretty much all of our meals, save for a few here and there. I didn't really grow up eating gluten, even though I grew up in the South, right? Which is kind of strange. So I was like, well, Brian, I'm going to stop eating gluten. And he kind of looked at me and was like, okay, Jess, that's not going to fix all your problems. Like, he's my eternal skeptic and needs to be proven, (laughs) you know? But now he's really great and he's super supportive. But at the time, he was like, dude what the hell? Like, that's not going to make a difference. Right. Well, and was it something common back, you know, back then, which is a bit long ago, but you <laughs> it know, was, it was about, I mean, Oh, I don't want to tell you how many years ago it was <laughs> almost 20. Um, but no, it really wasn't. And people thought I was crazy and it was hard to find gluten-free things. And, uh, you know, but I was so sick and I was having like five to seven debilitating migraines a week. I was, I bled for three years without a break, which is why they were going to do the hysterectomy. And at yeah. that point I was like, okay, fine, rip it out. Cause I just wanted to be done bleeding the, you know, the emotional toll that mm. that takes on a person is totally crazy. I was in pain like childbirth 24 seven from the endometriosis and it was just mm. crazy. So I was like, well, I have nothing to lose at this point, but change my diet. So I figured out how to eat differently. And within two weeks of cutting out gluten, my migraines had reduced by half. The bleeding had slowed down. It hadn't stopped, but it slowed down. You know, it was just this enough for me to be like, okay, there's something to this. And I canceled my hysterectomy appointment and just kind of went deep into all the things. And I was in real estate at the time and had no interest at all in medicine. Mm -hmm. But when I realized, like, I was figuring this out when my doctors weren't, Mm -hmm. okay, I guess I'm going to go back to school. And so that's what I did. And I feel like that's often a catalyst. Yeah. Especially in in uh, this type of medicine. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I find that to be true a lot. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of us in Chinese medical school were like, oh, you know, I'm here because mm-hmm. of, you know, my story or because my acupuncturist helped me more than my Western doctors. And I always say that I have great respect for my doctors. I mm-hmm. really liked them. They were very good and conscientious doctors. They were just limited Mm. by what they were taught. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like I went back to my primary who leaned more towards the holistic side of things, um, but still was Western. And I had to point out to him, like, 
look, I, I lost 20 pounds. And he was like, oh, yeah, how'd you do that? And I said, well, I changed my diet. And he, <laughs> this was the one and only time I wanted to punch him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever come across this episode. <laughs> I won't say your name, but you were a great doctor. Just however, this one minute, I was like, I'm going to come across this table. Um <laughs> Because he looked me dead in the eyes and he goes, good for you, Justice. You have to eat to live, not live to eat. And I was like, (gasps) oh, no, no idea what I have been through to figure this out. And not once did you ask me about my diet. Mm. Not once in this five years that I have been trying to figure this out. Did you say, how is your diet? Mm -hmm. And to be fair, had he said that, I probably would have said fine. Because I didn't know, right? Like, I was cooking home, or I was eating at home. I wasn't cooking. My husband was cooking. Um, But I was eating home-cooked meals, and I was eating regularly, and I didn't feel like they were bad meals. So had he asked me, I probably wouldn't have known any different. I would have just said fine. But had he dug a little deeper Hmm. and dug into my symptoms a little bit more versus just assuming that I was overeating, which... Is frustrating. So looking back, I've had an issue thing with food for a while because I was a dancer before and that whole world is just messed up with food, you know, but then going into my early twenties, gaining a ton of weight was so foreign to me because I was never heavier. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it was just this weird thing that was happening to me and I didn't understand it. And I think they overlooked the celiac because I gained weight versus lost. Mm. And they didn't quite connect the hormonal imbalance that came along with it. Yeah. So I had to dig into all of that and went back for naturopathic medicine. And then several years into practice and being in California and California telling me that my education wasn't good enough, but whatever, we won't go there. That's a whole nother topic. Um, found Chinese medicine. And that's really when a lot of the shifts started happening for me. I mean, I did really well with the naturopathic, don't get me wrong. And I healed myself from a lot of things and was able to help a lot of people. But Mm. I feel like there was just that much more of a shift in myself and in how I treated patients when I really started digging into the Chinese medicine and the holistic, the true holistic view that I feel like Chinese medicine takes on a body mm-hmm. that is even lost in naturopathic medicine. Mm. So oh, I feel like there's several things that we could peel apart there. First of all, for for just to provide some context is that, you know, Western physicians as well as you know, on the Eastern side of things, like nutrition is not something that is like really explored in depth. Right. It's not. And I think it's, um, something that should be more equally balanced through the education process. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, so food and here's the thing, it's like providing compassion to toward physicians of any kind because literally they're showing up we're showing up with the amount of training right that we've had so you have to really put in extra effort and work toward digging into nutrition yeah right well my first so in undergrad I took nutrition because one of my undergrad degrees is in public health education 
And I, I still have this book on purpose because it was, I think it was a $700 textbook and it's just crazy thick. I want to say it's probably six inches thick of tiny, like, Bible paper, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this tiny paper. And in one of the very first paragraphs, it says, this class is more than any Western doctor has received in their eight years of medical training. Mm-hmm. And that hit me. Yeah. And it was a terrible class. Like, looking back, it was such a Western class. Like, they were even teaching things like margarine is better for your heart than butter. And you should absolutely use artificial sweeteners over sugar and things like that that were just terrible. And even I, at that time, knew better than that. But I think the bigger thing there is we're asking doctors of all kinds, right, to do things that are not in their scope, that are not things they were trained on. They, well, I shouldn't say in their scope. It's in their scope of practice, mm-hmm. but they weren't trained. So yeah. we're asking them to do things that they're not trained to do. And right. that's kind of unfair, right? Mm-hmm. You know, these... Medical doctors have their place, just like alternative has their place. I think there's a place for all of us, and we can all get along. Yeah. If we were all willing. That would be an ideal world for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're going to our medical doctors and asking them to help us with these chronic illnesses that they're not trained to treat in the ways that we need to be treating them. Mm. So we learned our medicine in Western world on the battlefield. So that's why we're excellent at trauma care. Mm Mm-hmm excellent at acute care stop the bleeding mm-hmm. cut it or stop the bleeding like that's pretty much the options in western medicine 100 percent. please go to the hospital when you've had a car accident please go to the hospital when you're yeah. bleeding right but if you've been living with an illness for longer than a couple of weeks western is really at a disadvantage there they really just don't know how to look for root causes of things mm-hmm. and that's not their fault that's their training. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's kind of the way in naturopathic too. I'm, I'm a little bit more jaded on the naturopathic side of things these days than I was in the beginning um, because of the conformities that they've had to, you know, kind of, uh, well, conform to, to in order to be accepted, right? Mm-hmm. Where now the naturopathic doctors are writing prescriptions. I don't feel like that's something a naturopath really has done historically. I can see the beauty in it, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. I am saying, however, that historically that's not what we did. We use plant medicine. We use nutrition. We use, you know, holistic things. Um, So I feel like there's a little bit of a departure there now in naturopathic, whereas... Uh, you kind of go to a Western doctor expecting to leave with a prescription. Right. That's just what they do. Right. And in certain cases, that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. Some people need prescriptions. Right. That's not who I am as a practitioner, though. Right. So um, there's disadvantages to each modality, and I think it's important to recognize that as physicians of whatever modality you're right as long as you're showing up you're doing your best and I think it is part of our responsibility to be like you know what that's not something I'm comfortable doing or you know what let me research that more before I give you advice on that or here's a referral to somebody who can help you better Mm -hmm. I think those are all very valid things to say but because of the pedestal that doctors have been put on we often don't feel comfortable saying those things because maybe this patient won't trust me now if mm. I say, I don't know. Right. When really, it's okay. Right. 
it's okay to not know. I can't know everything. That's why we also specialize in things because it's impossible to be a specialist in every aspect of everything. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, the amount, the, the complexities of, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that we know so little about the body. Right. The more I learn, the less I feel like I know. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And it can definitely feel overwhelming. I think just for anybody, you know, um, but I'm curious how the, there was an evolution in, in like how you approached practicing with the incorporation of Chinese medicine, um, as far as seeing the patient as like the whole, mm-hmm. the whole body, you know, and how do you apply it to how you work with patients? Honestly, it's the same story. It goes back to my own evolution mm-hmm. and learning that it isn't just the physical. The physical is affected by the mental and the emotional, and I. And when I talk to my patients a lot, I say, I look at the body as one big machine because it really is. It's a machine and there's a breakdown somewhere and it isn't necessarily something that you can tangibly feel or even see. It's, there was a catalyst of some sort, right? So if you think about it, the body, you're born perfect, quote unquote. Something interfered with the way the body was functioning to cause this illness. So then you have to look at, well, what is that? And Chinese medicine, in my opinion, has a very beautiful and elegant way of looking at the body that it is all one big functioning unit. And you have to look at the spiritual and the mental and the emotional and the physical all together. And it for me came with some nervous breakdowns and some you know pretty traumatic events that had that really forced me to look at why am i in this pattern because i ended up getting sick again mm-hmm. so i got better i lost all the weight i felt amazing and then some things happened in my personal life and i got sick again and it was like okay with all this knowledge with all this stuff that i've been doing why am i here again how how can i be here again and really what I what I ended up realizing was when I got sick the first time, I was also dealing with some pretty traumatic things in my personal life. And so it they all went together. And it was how I was handling the stress of that and how I was, um, my, my brain essentially was putting me in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And the toll that that took on my physical body, well, I can't fix that physical without fixing that mental pattern that my brain thankfully like I'm grateful that my brain was like no 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 this is how we survive this is how we get through this yeah. the trick is coming out of that mm-hmm. what happens after that survival mm-hmm. you have to then turn that mechanism back off in order for the other things to happen in the body because it's a snowball right so you're saying like you have to what I'm kind of equating this to is like recalibrating the nervous system. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent what it is. Right. So it's becoming aware of these like survival behaviors, techniques that we've picked up along the way that, you know, and this is something that we we've touched on previously and earlier today is like, it served you up until a certain point, right? But it throws your, your body and your nervous system into this like, Spiral. Yeah. Yeah. 
and learning to, I'm curious your, your perspective on this, but it's about, to me, about developing the awareness that it's even happening in the first place. Yeah. Which I think is like the biggest. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. So drawing this awareness around, you know, and it's so interesting because we as people, right? First of all, we're not taught that, you know, these emotions or our mental health, I mean, it's now a little bit more mainstream, but we're getting there. The practice of it, right, um, is lacking. Yeah. Right. To nobody's fault. It's not like we're, we definitely weren't made aware of it uh, as children, uh, well, but, and societally, we right. thrive on how busy can we be. Your Absolutely. success is based on how hard you push yourself. Right. So we don't take time to sit down and think about it. Right. And again, oh, and, I, and we touched on this earlier too, like it's self-serving on some level. Yeah. Right? And And again, we're not like aware of it. That it is on some level, even if I'm tired all the time, I have no time for X, Y, Z or whatever, but I'm getting shit done, basically. And I'm checking all the boxes or whatever, but we're not paying attention to almost like, I don't necessarily want to equate it to an addiction, but. But it is actually very similar to that. Right. It's like that feedback loop, mm-hmm. right? That the oxytocin and the dopamine and all the things that you get from checking off a list. Right. Or, you know, all the things, those of us that are perfectionists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's, so it is, it's like it's self-serving on some level. Yeah. You know? Well, and we get rewarded for it. Here's right. your degree. Mm. Here's your yes. big paycheck, right? Like yeah. it's a reward-based system for mm-hmm. pushing yourself that mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were actually just talking about this in one of the classes that I'm taking, and it it's interesting being at um at Pacific College, which there's still things, right? Of course, you have to push yourself pretty hard in those things too. But what I'm realizing the difference between the two too is. When I was doing the naturopathic stuff and my traditional undergrad at these, you know, schools that push you really hard, um, it's a feather in your cap to be a perfectionist and to push yourself and to be up all night and, Mm. you know, to Mm. push, push, push hard, hard, hard. It's what we do to our doctors, right? Mm -hmm. It's their trial by fire. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible way (laughs) to treat them because these are people that are making life and death decisions and they haven't slept in 48 hours. Right. But that's success, right? So we're not slowing down enough to look at, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the body is it's so much smarter than we could ever give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And it knows what it's doing. Its job is to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care if you're pretty. It doesn't care if you're happy. It just cares that the functional things that need to happen for you to be alive are happening. Right. So it will rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. And if you try to then come in and say, well, here's this thing that I think you need. It's like, dummy, that's not what I need. I've already got this contingency plan going on over here. Mm-hmm. So then you have to figure out that whole spiral that's mm-hmm. happened and how mm-hmm. to reverse it. Mm-hmm. Or how to, you know, like the whole um, term dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm. Because it implies that the body doesn't know what it's doing. 
Amen. It's not dysfunctional. Right. It's maybe dysregulated. It's, you know, even that still <laughs> is, is tough for me. I don't feel like there's a really great word for what's happening in the body because it's doing its job. Right. It's like it's functioning by design to put out these fires that have been created, yep. right, consciously, unconsciously. But your body is wildly intelligent. Yep. It it literally is just trying to keep your heart beating. Yeah. Right? That's it. Most important job. So you've lost all your hair. Well, guess what? Evolutionary-wise, part of the reason women especially want hair or some of the things that we lose first is to attract a mate for reproduction. Mm-hmm. Well, if your body isn't healthy enough for reproduction, guess what? It doesn't care if you're pretty. Mm-hmm. Because you don't need to attract a mate right now. Mm-hmm. You're not healthy enough to have a baby. Whether or not that's in your mind or not, that's the evolutionary biological function right. of your body. Right. So if you're not healthy enough... It's going to start taking elsewhere so that you can, in theory, still reproduce if the exactly. opportunity comes knocking. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And I feel like um, my mind wants to go in so many different directions right (laughs) now. I knew that we were going to start talking and I was going to spiral, so. That's what we usually do. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) And nerd out with each other, which I appreciate. Yeah. (laughs) We're in this together. You know, I think that also, which is interesting, it just kind of like speaks to like the dysfunction function or the the interesting priorities that we have as a society created yeah right and what almost breaks my heart is that like we we get to a point where we're like disappointed in our body for not functioning but it's like your body is working on overdrive to compensate for the lifestyle because the majority of disease mm-hmm. and pathology is lifestyle based. Yeah. Right. And it's just trying to catch up. Absolutely. And over time, right, you're like, well, I, you know, back when I was in my 20s, like I could eat whatever I wanted or I could, you know, go out and not sleep all night, you yeah. know, go to, tr- <laughs> go to work drunk the next morning because I'm still drunk from the night before. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. And, but it's like you were slowly just putting another piece of wood on top of the fire, and now you just have this big smoldering fire somewhere, yeah. right? Which boils down to you were depleting your resources the entire time because you were not paying attention yeah. to the subtle little nudges that your body was telling you along the yes. way, right? That you have to. It is our responsibility, personal responsibility, to pay attention to those little whispers of the body Mm -hmm. instead of doing what western tells us and take of tylenol right (laughs) it's like we're so conditioned to oh if you're in pain take a pill Mm -hmm. oh if you have this take a pill Mm -hmm. instead of going why am i in pain Mm -hmm. am i dehydrated am i super stressed out did i not sleep well have i fed myself today Mm -hmm. and that's the other thing that is Disappointing, but I guess understandable. Like, for example, there was a time at Pacific um, that I was going through some crazy shit. <laughs> Just some crazy shit, right? And, you know, we only get two-week breaks in between terms. Right. Which is never enough. Never enough, but that's what it is. And I 
came back from that two-week break and several people were like, oh my God, Justice, you lost so much weight. You look great. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, thanks. And in my head, I'm like, how did I, A, that's not good that it's only been two weeks and you guys are noticing how much weight I've lost. B, how did I lose that much weight? Mm. And then Britlin pointed out to me, she goes, Justice, you're maybe eating once a day. Mm. And I had not realized that because mm-hmm. I was just in such a survival mode mm-hmm. of, oh, I've got to get up at 5 a.m. to be at class by 8 and drive an hour to school and come back and do this and see this and see patients and all the things because I was still seeing patients while I was doing that program. And it really, it hit me in that moment like, oh, I'm not healthy, but you're rewarding me. Right. Unintentionally. Right. right. Like they didn't know that I was having a problem, <laughs> but the fact is, is that society is, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you look great mm-hmm. instead of, are you okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have lost that much weight in two weeks. Right. You know? Well, and there's all those like quick fixes of like losing weight and you know, but it is, it's like, it's the reward of, of that. Yeah. And like, how can we, right? We're also conditioned that, uh, we should feel better or the symptoms will go away if you take a pill or if you just, you'll yeah. lose the weight if you, if I don't you know. Just, if you cut your calories and exercise more. Right. Which is. Woof. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast, I think. But, um, yeah, so that also really propelled me into, okay, in my mind, disease is trauma. Mm. Trauma causes disease. And I think what is hard for people when I say that is we think trauma's bloody. Mm-hmm. I was in a car accident. I was stabbed. I was shot. I was this. Like, it has to be bloody. And that's not it at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Trauma can be very subtle. Absolutely. And if you think about it, if you're born perfect and something has to throw off that balance in your body, that's trauma. It doesn't matter if it was subtle, if you noticed it, if you, you know, all these things, it was still trauma. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of moved me into this trauma-informed care because there's such a spectrum of trauma. So it can be something like living through a two-year pandemic that nobody recognizes as traumatic, Um, or lots of people don't, I shouldn't say nobody, but um, something as small as that, which small in quotations, right? Because that was a pretty big deal worldwide. But it could also be something very personal. Like, for example, a little bit of self-disclosure, I had um, some pretty traumatic things happen at night Mm -hmm. when I was a child that I didn't recognize until recently was causing trauma at night for me to not sleep. Mm. Whereas, like, I just always thought I was a light sleeper. Mm -hmm. My husband used to laugh at me because if he could walk in the bedroom on carpet and I would bolt out of bed from a dead sleep and Mm -hmm. be like, is that you? And he would be like, I don't even know how you do that, right? (laughs) So, But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that's caused so much dysregulation in my body because I'm not getting sound enough sleep, causing these hormonal imbalances and, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these trauma responses that I didn't recognize. And a lot of people don't because you're just in that survival mode. Mm -hmm. So then once I recognize it, like, okay, now it's my responsibility to fix that. How am I going to fix that? Well, I can't do it myself. I'm going to have to go get some help and some EMDR and some all these things. So that's a bigger trauma, right, that causes more of a snowball effect. But even the small ones from childhood or even adulthood or whatever could be 
food-based. Maybe you have a food allergy that's causing trauma to your gut. Mm. So that's causing hormonal imbalances. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. the word trauma is, it has this heavy connotation to it, which it is. But really, it's also small, minute things that can really throw the body out of balance in that it causes deficiencies in other areas because the body's had to rob from that area to keep this other, more important function going. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of part of the evolution for me was going through my huge traumatic events and realizing that there is such a spectrum of trauma and that as a practitioner, I think it's really important for me to be informed on all of those types of things and be compassionate with my patients because their experiences are different. Of course, it's a very subjective thing and we don't have compassion from a lot of our practitioners for those things. You Mm. have 10 minutes with your doctor if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. So we don't have time to dig into, Oh, you have this symptom. Have you by chance had something like this in your past, you know, and connecting those dots for somebody and, That doesn't necessarily mean I can help you with it, but even just recognizing it and giving you the resources to go and take care of it for yourself, because I say this a lot, I can't pill you out of bad habits, Mm -hmm. which that even has a negative connotation to it, meaning like you're at fault. And that's not it at all. Like Mm -mm. some of these bad habits are just habits because you had to survive. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's bad, but it may be no longer serving you anymore. Mm. So how do we get out of that pattern? Mm-hmm. And how do we retrain your brain? It's kind of like road construction. Like we're seeing a lot in California now, right? With all these people coming down to San Diego from whatever area, we're widening the roads, right? right. You now have all these new people and all this new information and we need to widen the roads. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that with the human brain? Mm. So... How, how would you recommend, well, first of all, how would you, how do you work with patients with identifying like traumas that are triggering certain like symptoms per se? Because I can also imagine that on some level, like almost kind of like Chinese medicine, right? Where you have, let's say two people with the exact same Western diagnosis. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's say two people who have endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll start with that. But on a on a Chinese perspective, right? It is you would you could most likely have to treat them very differently, even yeah. though they have the same Western diagnosis. These things that these two individuals would need very different things in order to to heal. So, how do you, I guess at least guide people on picking that apart Mm -hmm. or like, how do you witness that or observe that within patients? And how do you, I guess, how would you recommend for people to like on their own start to maybe I start identifying that they're in perhaps some like a trauma loop that they're not aware of? I ask a lot of questions. Yeah, questions are good. Questions are good. And I, so part of it, I have the benefit of over a decade in practice now. So I have been able to see correlations between different things. And of course, this is anecdotal evidence, but I think that's a very strong form of evidence in my opinion. But um, I tell people in their very first appointment with me, listen, I'm a little neurodivergent. (laughs) So just fair warning, this is how I practice. And I tell them like, you know, I ask a lot of questions. My way of practicing is very conversational. 
and it gives me an opportunity to get a picture of what's going on in your life. So it's not just about your symptom. I don't really care about your diagnosis. Like you can tell me, don't get me wrong, but I'm not about labels. I don't like, I don't want people to identify with their diagnosis because Mm -hmm. then you're internalizing it, right? And you're claiming that diagnosis. It's really just a label. It just kind of gives us a direction, which it can be useful. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Having that diagnosis can often give some peace of mind to people and just say, okay, you're not crazy. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter if you have that diagnosis, you're not crazy. Right. Which I think is also one of the biggest gifts, right, that the this way of practicing medicine like can offer to people as well. It's like it doesn't matter if Western medicine or science can identify it, right? Yeah. No. Your your experience is valid because you're experiencing it. A hundred percent. And I think that's something very different from Western, where we're used to going in and being told it's all in your head. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many doctors wrote me off with my pain mm. because, oh, it's just your period. Well, I never had pain like this, and I'm literally about to pass out. Mm. That's not normal. Right. I'm vomiting from the pain, and passing out is not normal. Don't tell me that's normal. I'm not crazy. But because we're you know menstruating people or whatever... It's just written off as, it's just take a Tylenol, you'll be fine. There is no pill in the world that I can give you that's going to do that for you. Right. So in that sense, I'm no better than a Western doctor if I'm just throwing pills at you mm-hmm. without giving you those tools of, but we have to turn this, this dial down. Right. In order for you to fully heal from this. Mm. And I had a ton of... Um, issues with like uh women's health and I don't have that trauma but I also didn't have fibroids I had endometriosis which is a completely different thing and that's a whole nother ball game that we can talk about but um and I say had in the past tense because I don't have it anymore (laughs) because I believe you can heal from these things yep but what it takes is a lot more than what we're told so we're told take a pill change your diet, exercise more, you'll be fine. Yes. Not always the case. (laughs) No. And also like, I mean, just to kind of give a little bit of background on my experience with polycystic ovarian syndrome, like as soon as I figured out, Mm -hmm. right, what was really going on, I was I was grateful, right? Because I, on some level, like I had a new framework to operate within. Yep. Uh, But it it was also requiring of me to just completely transform. Well, and food number one, like if we don't get food right for ourselves, doesn't mean you can't heal on on some level, right? right? But if we don't get food right, like it's nearly impossible. Because every t- if, if your body feels like it has to put out a fa- fire every time you eat something, yep, then it's very impossible. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but then heal. my question becomes, why? Right. Why do you have these food allergies? Why is this right. happening? Which is something that's more new to me because I, when I learned of the gluten thing, I, and I'm an all or nothing person, like, mm-hmm. I, and I mean it, like zero I mean, or, <laughs> yeah, like I am all in or I'm not in at all. Yeah. So I was militant. Yeah. About gluten for Mm -hmm. the last probably 18 years, like 15 to 18 years, militant. 
and I think it did help me a lot. So food allergies are a thing. I'm not discounting that. However, we weren't born with food allergies. Right. If you were, then my question is, what was going on with your mom? But right. that's a whole nother topic too. Yeah. But if you're not born with these types of things, then is it the is there just too much damage that your body is like, listen, I got all these other things going on. I got all those other fires to put out. There's too much damage here. You're just not going to be able to eat that for a while because I can't, right? Right. But your body should be able to handle little bits of things every so often. It's about moderation. The problem is we don't do moderation in this country. Yeah. It's true. It's just all or nothing, yeah. right? So recently I've started kind of dipping my toe back into eating a little gluten again, but also recognizing the patterns that were causing me to have those reactions mm. and then realizing, well, I've done all this work. I've healed this part. I've done this. I should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that's also scary, right? When you've had such bad reactions in the past So then you have to recognize, okay, this is scary, so it's probably going to throw me into fight or flight. Right. So then you have to manage that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not just a single thing. Like telling somebody who's depressed, well, just be happy. Right. Oh, I would have, if I could, let me just be happy. Like, that's just not how it works. Right, right. But let's figure out how you can be happy. And mm. why that's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably your gut. It's probably this. It's probably some traumas. It's probably like there, it's multifactorial, which causes a, it's a need anyway for a multimodal response. Right. And I'm all about stemming the bleeding, right? You might need a Band-Aid for a little while, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to Band-Aid you forever. Right. You're going to have to start doing some of the tough work. Right. And that's the thing. It was like I, you know... I was trying to like manage my my diagnosis with uh I mean supplements, you yeah. know. I wasn't I wasn't taking like western medication. Uh but I was trying to manage it with food, right? I couldn't and I was militant about dairy and gluten, right? Oh, yeah, I went raw vegan for a long time. Right. Yeah. And I you know, and I was taking all of these, all of these supplements. And I was also like, just, I was throwing everything at the fire, trying to figure it out. I would yes. get some relief for a little bit, but it was almost like my body kind of like acclimated to, yes. a, you know, I would take it for a month or two and then my body would almost like resort back to, you know, what I, what it was doing before. Uh, and so it was like, I had just got like tired of it. Yeah. Right. Where I'm like, I just no longer want to identify with this diagnosis. Yeah. And it took a lot of, yeah, like work, you know, like I guess, and also on another like layer and level is like, how do I expand my container to hold more than, than what I'm doing right now? Like, (laughs) and by that, I mean like my potential to mm-hmm. not have to. Why Why do I always have to be sick? Because I was constantly sick when I was growing up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if I'm being honest, right, for everyone to hear, <laughs> um, you know, I was, it was as soon as my parents split that mm-hmm. I started to develop all of these illnesses. I was constantly sick. Like my, my file with my pediatrician was like, no joke. I think I had two because I was there so frequently. Yeah. So what, what is it right? That, uh, that 
feeds me, serves mm-hmm. me on some level that I have to always be in search of something that's outside of myself when really the answer was always within. Always. Always. And it was, I mean, also like, I mean, we could get lost for hours talking, <laughs> but like. We usually do. We do. But like, <laughs> you know, there was elements of like self-soothing. Never knew how to do that. Never was taught nope, that. Same. Right. Could I, could I learn how to tell myself that in this moment I'm okay when my nervous system is fried or spiraling or whatever, like, can I start to develop and implement tools that I could self soothe? Mm -hmm. Uh, and a little bit of what, like quantum physics there, right? Yeah. Me trying to, this might, I feel like we could talk about that for a long time, might be a podcast for another time, but like, can I start to merge with this other well, not it's it's not separate from me, right? right? That reality, that healthy version of me, is not separate from me. But for some reason, I am still identifying with this. Well, that's part of the survival technique, right? right. So, like your the character that your body has to create in order to survive is a part of you, mm-hmm. but it is not you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the biggest difference is, like we were talking about earlier, like showing you these pictures of myself from like way back in the day, like I barely recognize that person mm. because that was a character I had to create to survive. Mm-hmm. And that no longer serves me, which is why I don't recognize that person. It was almost like a mask, like a a, a suit of armor, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. that I had to become this hard, masculine like literally leather clad <laughs> like person yeah to to get through that time in my life and then to realize like okay I can merge that person I can still mm-hmm. have those aspects of myself which I still love my heavy metal music and if you get in my car I will immediately apologize because it's gonna be blaring <laughs> first of all never would have expected that but I'm so excited next time <laughs> it's my very favorite music ever <laughs> If Dave Mustaine is ever listening to these podcasts, I love you. Um, <laughs> and his son's name is Justice, but I'm older. <laughs> to be fair. I and first. I spell it differently. But that's okay. <laughs> oh, I love this. So, I mean, that served me well. Right. I just don't need that part of me mm. anymore. But it's okay to honor it mm. and to be like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for getting me through that phase of my life. But then mm-hmm. coming back around to what you're saying is like merging those people mm-hmm. of that was not a healthy person. I actually didn't have physical issues at that point, but I was definitely not a healthy person mm-hmm. because of what I was having to shoulder, mm-hmm. the burdens that I was shouldering at such a young age that probably did lead into those physical issues that didn't manifest until I threw the gasoline on the fire with the diet. Mm-hmm. So I was holding it together, mm-hmm. and then I married an Italian. <laughs> what we're really trying to say is Brian. <laughs> Just kidding, Brian. I love you. We love you. <laughs> and honestly, that's something, too, is, like, we've had our issues, of course, like any marriage, but what I have realized, too, is it had to be him, right? Like, oh yeah, we had to mm. be each other's catalysts, mm-hmm. and we've also pushed each other into some very uncomfortable places, 
but that also propelled our healing. Both of us, we both had huge growth and healing and we support each other in ways that probably nobody else could have. Right. So it's just recognizing that the tools are always there. Mm-hmm. You always have the support that you need. It's just a matter of recognizing it. The tools you need in order to heal that. Survive and heal. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is you, if you look at it, and mine was very similar. My parents split up, I think, around the same age as yours. I'm not sure. Um, and no, I think I was a little older. But that was when my kind of personality split happened. And, yeah. you know, I needed to become this this person that carried the weight of my family and, uh, you know, figure all of these things out at a younger age than most have to figure out. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, my husband understands that about me probably better than anybody because he was very similar. Mm-hmm. So it's it's this interesting dynamic of recognizing that the right people were always in my life, mm-hmm. even if those people are no longer in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were there during the times that I needed them. Mm-hmm. But now I don't need them anymore, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad to say because I have such a like um, special place in my heart for those people now looking back going, oh my gosh, thank you for being there for such a crazy, crazy person I was. (laughs) But Well, I mean, what is that saying? It's like, you know, sometimes people are there for seasons and, you know, and, and I feel like on some level too, it's the, the people, places, things, situations, whatever, are there to amplify, right? It's there to be a mirror for you to grow and expand and evolve. And that is not separate from your physical well-being and your health, which is, right, something that we're just, if it's not evident by now, (laughs) (laughs) health is very complex. It's not Mm -hmm. just that physical, like, oh, if I'll take vitamin D and I'll be better, you know, I'll take that for the rest of my life or whatever, you know, you can, you know, supplement that with, with, with whatever pill or supplement you want, even herbs. Yeah. Right. But it's very much like it's all interconnected, interwoven, and it has so much to do with like, uh, to me, and I'm curious your thought, but it's like, to me, almost every time at the core of it is some kind of an emotional or a mental response to something that triggers, that is the catalyst that creates that trickle effect or that snowball effect. And it will perpetuate, and in Chinese medicine, right, the longer pathology or disease is not dealt with, the deeper it goes within the body. Yes. The harder it becomes to recognize, identify the mm-hmm. root, right? Mm-hmm. But the harder it is to treat, mm-hmm. and perhaps the longer it is to treat. And so I'm curious. And you can drive it deeper if you're not careful as a practitioner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So that's interesting on on part of like the responsibility of the practitioners part of it, right? Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if there will be any practitioners listening in, but if there are, like, how would you, how would you suggest for someone to like navigate that? Which of course, like medicine is a practice. Right. right? And we're human. 
so right. and honestly I've I've learned so much from messing up to be honest and I'm sorry to those patients that you know were those accidental guinea pigs that wasn't necessarily my intention right but uh, one of the reasons I've gotten so good at adrenal issues is because I treated it so much and made mistakes and realized um, I was treating hormones and realizing, oh, I can't always just throw somebody on progesterone because if it's an underlying adrenal issue, I'm going to exacerbate the adrenal issue. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh, I've got to dig into this adrenal stuff. Mm-hmm. And then realizing, oh my gosh, this is just a sea of stuff going on. And that's kind of what led me to the trauma too. Because, yeah, like you said, most of the time there is an emotional response there. Even if the catalyst was, say, a parasite. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't an emotional thing that caused it, but I guarantee you there was an emotion that came up because of it. Mm. So there's always an emotion associated with disease, mm-hmm. whether it was the root or the branch. One or the other, they all have to be treated. Mm-hmm. Because like what I was saying, the emotional toll that it took on me to be in chronic pain and chronically bleeding was more than I can even describe. Like mm-hmm. if if there was ever a time that I was depressed or, you know, really struggling with my mental health, it was then. Mm-hmm. But then also it happened again when I was dealing with, you know, uh, my personal life recently with my dad and um, the end of his life was very traumatic, unfortunately. And so that was another time where I had to really look at this is mental stress that is causing my physical body to break down. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't think health is as fragile as we think it is. Mm. It's not such a tightrope. It really isn't. Because if it was, we wouldn't survive half the shit we put our body through. Mm -hmm. But -hmm. the fact that we can push ourselves to the brink and then your body's like, hey, dumbass. (laughs) People say this to me all the time. I don't know. It just happened overnight. I guarantee you it didn't. I promise right. you it didn't. It, it Your body has been yelling at you. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is we have learned to turn the noise down. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not going to, oh, it's just, a, it's just a headache or it's just a stomach ache or it's just this until all of a sudden it's all of these things. Right. So your body is now screaming at you and that's when you listen. Right. It's when it, I don't want to say too late, but it's like when it's completely in your face and you can no longer ignore it. Yep. And one pill ain't going to do it. Sorry. Uh, No. And that, of course, is a frustrating thing because we've also been so conditioned that that's just how it works. Yeah. Right. It is how it works if you want to continue to stay on something. Right. And And there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't. If that's the choice that you want to make. Right. My father-in-law, I love dearly. Please don't get me wrong. But his whole thing is, well, my labs are great. I'm 84 and they say that they're the labs of a 23-year-old. Yeah, because you're on 12 different pills. Right. And you're on half of those pills to manage the side effects of the first half. Mm-hmm. But he's okay with that. And that's okay. There's right. nothing wrong with that. He's 84. He's not going to change. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad. Right. Good for you. I'm glad that that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. That would drive me crazy. Yes. <laughs> I can't live my life that way. Right. And I will even get tired of taking my supplements where I'll just take a break. I can't, I can't do it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. I'm not going to do it today. (laughs) You know? So Mm -hmm. I think there's validity in that too. And it's a matter of learning to listen to your body. And if my body is telling me I can't take those supplements today, 
I'm not going to take them. But the difference is I'm listening now. Yeah, which kind of reminds me, it's like, you know, and back to what you were saying, is like your body's like whispering or whatever, trying to get your attention Mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Right? And to me, being healthy or stepping into this higher version of self, right, that, that we perhaps aspire to be, is this deep and profound relationship that you've created with yourself, mm-hmm. the universe, spirit, God, whatever, whatever yeah. that is, yeah. like that highest, that highest point of self, right? Yeah. The one that whispers to you, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's the, the ego, the whatever, the chaos of the world, the id, however you want to put it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That That's loud. And, and you hear that the most, but mm-hmm. it's like, you have to practice all of life as a practice. You have to practice being in relationship to yourself, to your physical body, to your emotional body, the spiritual body, mm-hmm. right? Those are not, those are not separate. And it's in that practice that we get more attuned. Mm-hmm to the things that we need. So you can start to pay attention to, and sometimes I find it curious because I'm like, I'll be taking, I don't know, a supplement like every day and all of a sudden I'll forget. But I think that it's almost like by design as well because my body perhaps, right? I don't know. Maybe this is something that could be tested, I'm sure. But my body doesn't need it anymore. Yeah. At at that point in time. I may have to go back to it, right? When I remember again. But maybe... By design, my body is like, you don't need it today. Yeah. Right? But it's also in that, like, developing the relationship, such a fine-tuned relationship with myself, which mm-hmm. forever evolves, right? It's not perfect, but... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a trauma response I'll just throw out there. <laughs> right. Very much a trauma response. Still deal with it. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's in that, like, I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts. Cause like, to me, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. You know, is, is in the relationship that you've cultivated with yourself. It is not anybody else's responsibility to do that for you. No. Right. But it is entirely okay to seek outside advice. Absolutely. And that's another thing that we don't do in this country is ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, a huge disservice for people. But, um, to that point, you know, like that's one of my qualms with muscle testing, for example, Mm. not that there's anything wrong with the practice itself. However, it changes from day to day. Mm -hmm. So you could muscle test for something and you're like, Oh, I don't need that this month. Maybe this moment. Right. Literally it's a snapshot. Right. You probably, that would be my, I hated that in my early years of practice. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, um, my dad was a parasitologist, so I saw a lot of parasite stuff in my early years, which is not my favorite thing, but I did it a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, people would come in and I would tell them which parasite it was here, take this thing. And they'd come back to me and say, well, I didn't take it cause my chiropractor muscle tested me and said, I didn't need it. Okay. But <laughs> it would drive me crazy because for one, that particular parasite that you have has been scientifically proven, not just me being woo woo, but scientifically proven to change behavior. Mm. of the host. Mm. So what's to say that parasite isn't saying, no, you don't need it because its job is to survive. Right. Evolution. Thank you. Just take the pill. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just take it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so like that would drive me crazy with that type of thing. But also you're giving your power away. Mm-hmm. You're giving your power away to that muscle testing. Mm-hmm. Just tune in to your body. But we don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. So I'm not judging. It's just, it's something that does have to be honed. Yeah. And it's an uncomfortable thing because in order to do that, you have to also be okay feeling the feels. Mm. You have to sit in your thoughts and in your feelings. And we don't do that. Right. That's partly why uh, hyper, uh, what is the word? Hyper individualism or being over independent essentially Mm -hmm. is a trauma response. You don't say. (laughs) Listen, spot it, you got it. I'm only talking about things that I have. <laughs> so, like, Call that, me out. you know, like, keeping yourself hyper busy or being like, no, 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 I got this is yeah. because we're uncomfortable sitting in those terrible feelings that we have to sort through. So in order to be in tune with yourself, you have to get through the mud. Right. And it's not fun. And I tell everybody this, like, listen, my process is not the, the fastest and it is not the most comfortable it just isn't but all I can tell you is at the end you feel better mm. may not, maybe not be a hundred percent because it's always a journey right but that's also a slippery slope that I have had to really learn myself that healing can become an addiction yeah you don't always have to be healing it's okay to take time off and let it integrate and sit in just you know what I feel so much better than I did 10 years ago. Mm. I'm going to celebrate that for a while. Right. And, and I feel like sometimes like it's okay. Kind of like what you're saying, but like sometimes it's okay that the healing doesn't come like right away or like you, you're unable to sift through those emotions or whatever. Sometimes it's not the appropriate time to move through it. Totally. Right. And so having compassion for yourself as well. Yeah. Right. That it's, I mean, and speaking for myself, because I, you know, not necessarily, and again, like there's absolutely no judgment, but it's not like where I'm like, I want to take a pill to get rid of this. It's like, no, I want to move through this emotional, you know, mental issue, this pattern that's coming up as quickly as I can because I want to get to the other side of it, Mm -hmm. right? And And sometimes, (laughs) no, you know, and sometimes I have to sit with it for quite some time, you know, because it just, it's not moving. It's not, I I can't seem to, you know, wrap myself around it, Yeah, but it's because it wasn't the right time. Exactly. And it eventually comes, right? And so there also has to be this practice of like ease. Yeah. Right. Well, and typically you have to hear something like three times for it to Mm. hit. And it could even be years apart. Yeah. You know, and I know that my first years in practice were very eye-opening for me Mm. where I had this book knowledge, right? Yeah. But clinical practice is completely different. So different. So different. And if you're a good practitioner, in my opinion, it is very much a mirror. Yeah. And if you're doing the work yourself... I think is really the best way to help your patients because if I'm not well, how can I expect to help other people get well? Mm -hmm. But there are times where like something will hit me and I'm like, ah, or like my mom would say, I could have had a V8. Like she would hit herself on the forehead. I could have had a V8. (laughs) I hate tomato juice, so I wouldn't have a V8. But 
but it's true. Like, oh my God, I I read about this. Like, why didn't it click? Well, it just didn't. It wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. Or that was too big for me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my job is not to actually help this person right in this moment. Maybe my job or my role in their life was to plant the seed. Mm -hmm. For example, I had a patient one time or the mom brought her son to me because quote-unquote, all of a sudden he stopped sleeping. Mm. He will only sleep during the day. So then we're talking and I'm digging in and I'm like, okay, what happened? Because he's 12. Mm. Kids don't just stop sleeping. We'll come to find out something very traumatic did happen in the night. Mm. So now his brain is telling him it's not not safe to sleep at night. I can't give you a pill for that. Right. I'm sorry. There's just, I can give you something that might help his adrenals try to shut down, but his brain's telling him it's not safe. So until that mechanism is shut off, Mm -hmm. which I'm not qualified to help you do, that's just, it's not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I could see the realization on his mom's face, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? But the kid's completely shut down. And unless he's ready, it just ain't going to happen. Right. So plant the seed. And I've never seen him again. And I often wonder about those people like, oh, gosh, I hope I yeah. hope it worked out, you know. But yeah. in that moment, my job was just to say, there, aren't, there isn't a pill for this. Mm. Now they might have gone and found a pill. You can give him Ambien. But I can guarantee he's going to be one of the sleepwalkers on Ambien because his brain's still not shutting down. Right. Right. And his brain is, it's, it's the control center Mm -hmm. and the more I learn about the body the more I'm like it's really I think just the control center everything like our gut is really our brain oh yeah I mean I just think that there's just so many different aspects of how the body works Mm. that it's so fascinating but again the more I learn the more I'm like I know nothing right (laughs) like it's just fed the imposter syndrome so bad because it's like people ask me questions and I'm responding but in my head I'm like I don't know why are you asking me Oh, maybe I do know. It's okay. I know some things, but it's just, it's such a vast topic, right? Yeah. That, and we, there's so much we don't know, especially about the brain, because it's unethical to experiment on living humans. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a fair. It's fair. fair. Like, there's so many things we can't know because we don't have the technology to study without hurting a human brain that's living. Mm-hmm. So we just have to kind of sometimes use anecdotal evidence or watch people. Right. And that takes a while. It does. A commitment for sure, right? Mm -hmm. Both, you know, on part of the practitioner, but absolutely was the patient as well. But that, like, makes, I don't know, like, it makes me think of, like, that's a very transparent way of practicing medicine where you're, like, listen, you know, it's really likely this trigger, right, that's mm-hmm. causing this, and that's the root of it, you yeah. know? And I can give you something in the meantime that, that will help to hopefully quiet it, but, like, really the work and mm-hmm. the work is done by you on the other side of it, yeah. you know? And so I'm curious what your, like, how you envision, how you would like to see healthcare, how you envision 
like in an ideal world or whatever. That's so hard because there's so many things that I think need to change. I think that we're on the path for sure. I don't know that I'll see it in my lifetime, unfortunately. Um, I, I think transparency is really the only way to go. I mean, I have to tell people in their first appointment, I'm a super honest person. (laughs) I don't know any other way. And that's the only way I can sleep at night is to be really transparent and honest with you. Whether or not you like me at the end, that's, that's for you to decide. Mm. Um, but honestly, it's not my job to be your friend. You don't pay me to lie to you. And I don't sugarcoat things very well. <laughs> it's just not my personality. I, my brother has a very interesting way of describing me, and I think it's funny. But um, he's like, listen, my sister doesn't pull any punches, and she suffers no fools. So <laughs> just know that going in. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's kind of harsh, but I guess it's true. I try to be gentle. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like also personally knowing and like it's always delivered in in a loving way but it's also a reflection of how you like navigate your like with yourself yeah you know well thank you for that yeah I mean I definitely try to be as congruent in how I practice and also how I treat people and have that compassion I'm learning to be compassionate with myself which is interesting I'm far more compassionate with people Mm -hmm. than I am with myself I hold myself to a really high standard Mm um and that's served me well but also hurt me in other ways because I have a tendency to push myself way too hard Mm -hmm. until I drop and then I have to literally nurse myself back to health and so finding that balance of I don't have to push myself till I drop it's okay you know but in my with my patients I'm like oh my gosh please take a nap (laughs) you know (laughs) please drink some water it's okay so (laughs) trying to bring that back around to myself but I think that honestly Medicine has to really get honest with themselves Mm -hmm. and be honest in that's not my job. You know, we we talked about this earlier that we're asking doctors to do things they're not trained to do. But in that, we also have to be okay with those doctors saying, I don't want to do that or I can't do that. That's not something I'm comfortable doing. But we don't allow that from them. Mm -hmm. We demand perfection from our doctors. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. We're, you know, we have to be willing to allow them humanity too. Mm. So I think in order for medicine to move forward, we have to allow those doctors to come down off their pedestal and ask them to, which is going to be hard for a lot of them. Totally. Yeah. Because that's their identity too, right? So we're asking people to strip away their identities in order for all of us to come together. And that's not an easy task Mm -hmm. for people. And to come out of that ego of I know all things, it's a very long road, I think. But in order for healthcare to become truly integrative and to truly serve health, we all have to be honest with ourselves and we all have to address our own demons. And it's a scary prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, so um, not previously mentioned, but you are also the owner of the Harmony Health Collective. So how do you, what's your your goals and dreams with the collective and how that fits into, you know, healthcare or your vision of it? So the collective really, the goal there was to create a safe place. And I don't say that lightly because it's not an easy thing to do, but 
we have to have a safe place for people to come as patients, but also for the practitioners to be safe because that's not something that doctors really have. They are put in this um, box really of this is how you practice, this is how you have to practice, this is how many patients you have to see. This is, you know, it's very regimented and they don't feel safe to practice the way they really want to practice. So it's very robotic. So in creating the collective, I wanted people to, the practitioners specifically, to have that place to explore themselves as doctors and to feel safe in treating people the way that they feel they need to be treated. And then also create a place for patients to feel safe to be themselves, to say what they need to say, to know that they can ask questions that even if they think they're crazy and to have a place to come to get education because I think that's sorely lacking in this country. The fact that I had to resort to an MSN article to mm-hmm. prompt my healing journey is ridiculous. But it's also kind of curious at the same time that it did show up on MSN. You yeah. know, it's like on some level there was some like mainstream attention to it, but like we just don't get very basic education when it comes to right well many things but yeah especially when it comes to health it's true like you have to truly go digging right well and it drives me crazy when doctors are like stay off dr google okay wait (laughs) i don't love dr google either however why is that patient feeling they have to go there because they don't Mm -hmm. trust you Mm -hmm. they don't have enough time with you Mm. they can't talk to you on a real level Mm -hmm. So the problem is that they don't have somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. So they go to Google. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not the patient's fault right. that they're resorting to Google. They don't have a safe place to go. Mm-hmm. So back to your question, that's kind of where I was going with the collective, was here is a place that you can come and ask questions. If we don't have the answers, we'll help you find them. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't have the practitioner on staff that you need. We'll help you find them. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about us it's it's about us as a collective Mm -hmm. and when i say collective i mean patients and practitioners alike it's not just a collective for patients it's not just a collective for practitioners it's all of us working together for the betterment of everybody's health Mm -hmm. because being a mainstream doctor today is not good for their health Mm -hmm. it's just not they're worn out they're burnt out they're you know we have hundreds of thousands of dollars that we invest in our education that somehow now we have to pay back, you know, like there's just so many things that create an unhealthy environment for the doctor, which is what creates the unhealthy environment for the patient. So really I just wanted to create this space where we could just all come together Mm -hmm. and be real people Yeah, and be okay saying, I don't know, but let's find out. Yeah. Let's find out. Now you don't have to go to Google. Right. (laughs) You can come here. So that's right. kind of where I would like to see healthcare go, mm. which should be a collaborative environment. And when I say that, I mean collaborative with the patient too, because I truly believe they should be part of their healing journey. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to dictate to you how you should heal. Mm-hmm. All doctor means is teacher. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Just, Did not know that. Yeah. I'm just here to guide you. I'm just here to give you education and it's mm-hmm. your job. It's your responsibility to do with that education what you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think, another part of it is we give away our power and we put that responsibility back on the doctor. Yes. And in some ways, I get that because we're the one with the education. Mm-hmm. 
there's lots of times my financial advisor will call me and she's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know, dude, I trust you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you yeah. tell me what to do because I don't do financial stuff. I do bodies, you right, know, right. but it, that's probably not fair to her either because, you know, I, I'm putting that responsibility back on her. But at the same time, I'm not going to get mad at her if it goes sideways. Mm-hmm. She did her best to give me her best advice and I let her do what she did. Right. It was my job. She called me for permission and to ask me what to do, what I wanted to do with my money, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same with health. It shouldn't be me saying, do this. Right. I'm going to give you the tools and I'm going to say, in my experience, this is what I think will help you. But I'm not going to shove the pills down your throat and I'm not going to walk you to your therapist every Mm -hmm. time you go. You know, like... It's on you. We have to start taking personal responsibility again. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think we've lost. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Again, I I think that's just like an overarching theme is just like this accountability and responsibility. But on a grander scale there, it's like creating this community, right? I mean, we can't do it alone. No. And we weren't wired for it on any level. We were not made to be alone. No. But it's not giving your power away to any person, right? Mm-hmm. There's the responsibility of the choices made. Yeah. And But at the same time, and, and I think this is, like, just a really good note, like, that's where the power is. Mm-hmm. Right? Like when you start to understand and grasp that you have the power to change literally everything. Yeah. Right? It takes a little bit of work, maybe a lot of work, but like you could literally transform everything. Absolutely. And that is the beauty of it, right? Like I think that, you know, in my own personal journey, that was the biggest thing right? My journey into medicine and where I'm at right now is just like, it's the, it's the power that was given back or that I took back. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, that I could heal, that I could feel better, that I could create different kinds of relationships, that I could create a, you know, a world around me that is more conducive Mm -hmm. to me feeling my my best yeah you know my and I'm not saying that I don't have ups and downs we all do so it and it always will ebb and flow but that I think that's the beauty of it all is just like you get you have the choice and Mm -hmm. if we knew we had the choice (sighs) exactly I think so much of healing though is it's hard to think clearly when you're sick, Mm. when you don't feel good, when you've been in pain. Yes. You can't think clearly. You need somebody to guide you, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, this last bout that I had, you know, I was like, I I can't see my way out of this. I need help. (laughs) And went to one of our teachers and reached out to you and was like, I just, somebody tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And that might seem odd to somebody for looking from the outside going, but you have all this knowledge. Yeah. But doctors are the worst patients. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We are the absolute worst patients. And it's not necessarily because we don't know what to do. It's almost like when you have too much knowledge of something, you want to throw everything at it or 
you just can't think at all. It mm-hmm. just becomes noise. Mm-hmm. And when you're sick, your brain is distracted. Mm-hmm. And all it's doing is surviving. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it can't comprehend of how to get you out of survival mode. Mm-hmm. It's just surviving. Right. So having the compassion there too is, yes, it is your responsibility, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold your hand. Yeah. You know, like I can hold your hand a little, Mm -hmm. but there is going to be a point where I'm going to let it go. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hold your hand forever. Mm -hmm. You got to take the training wheels off at some point. And that's a little bit of tough love Mm -hmm. that I think most people aren't used to. Mm. I I tell this story and it's kind of comical now, but when I was young, I don't even know how old I was, probably like five. I got so mad at my dad. I was just angry. I don't even know what it was. I And I'm part Italian, so that's probably part of it. I probably just got mad about something stupid. But I was like, that's it. I'm running away. <laughs> and yes. I stomp back to my room, right? And I'm pulling my stuff, and I'm going to pack my bag, and I realize I can't reach my suitcase, and I'm so mad about it. And I go back out to the living room, and I'm like, I need you to get my suitcase down. And my dad goes, no. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I'm going to run away. And he goes, well, if you're old enough to run away, then you're old enough to figure out how to get your suitcase down. Mm-hmm. And I'm so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that made me even so much more mad. And I stomp back there and I just stare at it for a while and I can't figure it out because even the chair that I had, I was still too short. And finally, I just sat in my room and cooled off. <laughs> didn't run away that day but it was that tough love of like no I'm not gonna help you run away right yeah Mm. you know what I mean like no sit in your feelings and that was a very subtle way of delivering that message but yeah so just for rewind a a couple of seconds there and listen to that again (laughs) because yeah that hits that hits home right yeah absolutely I love that story (laughs) (laughs) I have lots of those (laughs) You're good at telling stories. I get that from my dad. My dad was a born storyteller. So my my brother got the jokes. <laughs> I can't tell the jokes like my dad, but like my brother can. I can tell stories. But um, yeah, I think it, it just is, it's that same, like, you have to sit in your feelings. You're going to have to figure this out. If mm-hmm. you are old enough to run away, mm-hmm. you're old enough to figure out how to pack the bag. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Ugh, fine. (laughs) And sometimes it is like, okay, I guess I'm not packing my bag. I guess I am going to have to sit here and self-soothe and figure this out. But, you know, it's like I told you earlier, it, you're not responsible for what hurt you, but you are responsible for fixing the damage to whatever capacity that is. And maybe it isn't right now, Mm -hmm. but nobody's coming to save you. Right. You're going to have to figure out how to get that suitcase off the shelf yourself. Mm. Man, you are just nailing these <laughs> right now. Yeah. And, you know, it can happen in in levels and layers yeah. there, right? Because, I mean, again, you know, what is health? It's peeling away the, the layers that aren't authentically you, mm-hmm. right? Those labels, those uh, patterns, those situations that impacted you. Absolutely. Yeah. But that is not you. Right. Right. And you don't have to own it. No. And it can be incremental. It doesn't have to be all at once. It, it shouldn't be all at once. I don't know really anybody who does do it all at once. You can't. Yeah. You can't. And if you try, 
<laughs> I I joke about this. It's really not so funny, but uh, with my nervous breakdown, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I I ended up, and I say ended up really because I I don't remember how I got there, but on a friend's boat in San Diego Harbor, and in my head I was like I just need to get away for a minute, right? But as soon as the sun went down, I just lost it and had to call some friends to come get me off the boat because I was like I don't know how I got here (laughs) so my running joke now is just don't end up on a boat in the harbor like you know you'll you try to do it all at once you're gonna end up on a friend's boat in the Mm -hmm. harbor (laughs) it's just just how it works your brain is gonna shut down and you're gonna have to figure out how to get out of that mess right Mm -hmm. so just one step at a time how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. I don't know why you'd want to eat an elephant. Please don't eat an elephant. But, <laughs> but that's the same. That's the same. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. Well, I feel like that's, like, the cherry on top. That's the perfect way to kind of wrap up what we are just talking about. And I feel like we've been talking for, like, two hours, have right? We? Oh, yeah. I guess we have. Yeah. We do that, though. <laughs> we do tend to do that. But this was... I knew we were going to end up somewhere. I was like, I'm going to come in with just a few outlined questions, but I know this will take on a life of its own. Yeah. Good plan. (laughs) Yeah. It was very fluid. Yeah. I felt like it. And now I'm like, we touched on so many different things. If I never do another podcast episode, I think this is perfect. (laughs) Well, thank you. The one and only message to the world. There you go. There you go. (laughs) The Kayla and Justice Show. (laughs) It works for me. But anyways, um... You know, tell us where, you know, listeners can find out more about you, the collective, what you're doing. So the collective, uh, you can go to harmonyhealthcollective.com and you'll find all the information there. You'll find the beautiful Dr. Kayla Ring as well. Um, And all the stuff that we're building there, it's still a process, right? But that's the goal is to have this comprehensive come here, we'll help you in whatever capacity that is place. Um, I'm redoing my personal website actually. So that's, uh, either harmony with justice or Dr. Justice, DACM.com. That one's being built. So try the other one first, <laughs> but it's a little outdated. So we're working on that. Um, but I do have ways to book with me and, and my story and how I practice and my approach to things is all up there too. But pretty much we talked about all of that. <laughs> so it's all here. I'm also on the collective website, so you can just go to one place at this point and see all the things. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me for several hours today. <laughs> thank I'm you. I'm so glad that we got to spend the time together. And yeah, let's do this again soon. Yes, please. That would be great.